Grace Family Church of Rhode Island presents Word of Hope, a sermon series with Pastor Luciano Cozzi. Good morning, brethren. We all know that in life we face temptations. It's common to all people. But sometimes temptations are quite persistent, and it may feel like they are overwhelming. Even though God tells us we will never going to be tempted beyond what we can handle, so there is always a, a possibility to overcome the temptation, some temptations feel absolutely overwhelming. And some sins related to those temptations can be deeply, deeply rooted. They are very difficult to overcome. And yes, we try, we try and try, but we often fail in the process. Now, the attempts that we make to overcome and can be varied, obviously, but they have something in common. They have some similarities between one and the other. For example, we tend to establish accountability partners. We ask brother, trusted brothers or sisters to hold us accountable for certain things in the hope that that will help us to overcome temptations. We create or establish barriers around those areas of temptation. We make resolutions and we seek help from others who maybe have struggled with similar problems in the past and perhaps they were able to overcome it. But somehow, all too often, after a while, that doesn't seem to work anymore. For some unknown reason, we end up failing. We fall again into the temptation, and the temptation leads us to that sin again, and we feel like we miserably failed. We need to ask why. What happened? And most importantly, how can we change things in such a way that that may not happen again? You see, the problem is that all these attempts that we are talking about are only <clears throat> at the human level. For example, the accountability partners, though they can certainly help, I, I'm not discounting any of these things in terms of their ability to help. Having accountability partners can be very useful, can be very helpful, but in and by itself is only a human attempt to resolve something that oftentimes goes beyond human ability. The barriers that we create around the temptations also are a human attempt. The reminders and the memorization of verses. We tend to memorize verses and repeat them to ourselves, but that again is a human attempt to resolve a problem that sometimes is quite big for us. They're all human and they, in time, tend to fail. And in some cases, they're bound to fail. But we're not left without hope. We have given a solution in Scripture and we need to understand it because it's very important. That solution is recorded in many verses in the New Testament, but 
I will quote two as an example. First of all, Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. I'm starting there because Galatians 2.20 seems to be a summary, a very condensed but important summary of what we're talking about. Statements that are, again, repeated in Scripture, in the New Testament especially, numerous times. Another example I would like to bring to your attention is Romans 6.11. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. As you can see, the point is repeated, maybe sometimes in slightly different terms, but it's a very important point. It is a key point for our success in overcoming those issues. And the problem is that our human efforts eventually will not work. It's like attempting to be dead to ourselves or to our sin. We try hard to be dead to our sins, to use the words of Romans 6.11. We try hard to be dead to ourselves. And we neglect, all too often, we neglect the fact that what we really need is to be alive in Christ. You see, one cannot be without the other. Because Jesus, as we said before in another message, Jesus is the way, Jesus is the truth, and he is the life. He didn't just point us to it. He is it. When we walk the Christian way, we walk in Jesus Christ. When we believe the truth, we believe in Jesus Christ. And when we live a Christian life, we live in Jesus Christ. It's all about Him, not us or our efforts. If we are to overcome, we are to do so by being alive in Christ and not just dead to ourselves. Let's review again those two examples of the scripture from the New Testament that make this key point. Let's look at Romans 6.11. Even so, Consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Notice here that we are not called just to be dead to sin. We're called to be alive to God in Christ Jesus. In fact, we cannot be dead to sin without being alive to God in Jesus Christ. The two are very connected. Look at Galatians 2.20 again. Notice again what Paul stated and how. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Notice again. I am crucified with Christ, wrote the Apostle Paul. That it would be the same as saying, I am dead to myself, but not on his own. That is accomplished by regarding ourselves as being crucified with Christ. So it is no longer I who live, says Paul, but Christ 
lives in me. So notice that this is not our work. It is the work of Christ. It is the cross of Christ that we share. It is the life of Christ that we share, not our own effort. So it's the same as saying, not I, but Christ in me. That is the key to overcoming. Not I, but Christ in me. So what does it look like in a practical life? Imagine for a moment being on your knees and praying. You are struggling with a temptation, a sin which has been besetting you for a long time and you've been trying to overcome it, but from time to time you end up falling back into it. And now you are on your knees begging God. Are you tempted to pray, God, please help me to overcome this sin? Well, if you do, you're in good company. We, we tend to do that. But look at it, what the wording says. Lord, help me to overcome this sin. Once again, we're looking for human effort. But that's not what Scripture calls us to do. And that's probably, actually without doubt, the reason, or at least one reason, why we fail. Instead, what if we use the biblical approach that calls for confession? But you might say, well, I confess I commit a sin. Yes, that is true. But it goes beyond that. Imagine yourself on your knees again. And here comes a confession. Instead of saying, God, help me to overcome. What about saying, Lord, I confess that I'm incapable of overcoming this problem. I can't do that, and I confess it to you. I acknowledge that. It's not just my doing, but just the way I am. I am incapable of overcoming this. But you, Lord, have already won the victory, and you are my all in all. So please, overcome this in me as I am alive in you, as I walk with you. You might think, well, that, that's just a matter of wording, isn't it? Not quite. It's a matter of disposition of a heart, the direction of a heart. To, to help us understand, let's use a metaphor. Let's say that we have a glass, and we want to get the air out of a glass. Sometimes I use that as I talk to people and I make a, try to make the point and usually the people say, well, we can, we can create a vacuum, we can take the air out. So imagine doing that. That is very hard to do, isn't it? Not only is it very hard to do, but it never quite really works. Because it, it's hardly conceivable that we can create an absolute vacuum in that glass. What you will have is the air that is being rarefacted, air, the molecules of air that are further apart, further and further apart from each other, but there's still some air in there. It takes a lot of strength, a lot of energy to maintain that resemblance of vacuum to get the air out. And as soon as you let your guard down, you know what happens, right? The air fills the glass right away, immediately, like before. You see, that is like trying to be dead to our sins. Trying to overcome thanks 
to human efforts and human measures that we may come up with, no matter what they are. It may help for a while. It may seem like they're succeeding, but it's just like creating that vacuum. It takes a lot of effort, a lot of energy, and as soon as you let the guard down, bam, the air is there, like before. Now, what would happen, however, if we filled that glass with water? The air would be gone. And guess what? Once the glass is full of water and the air is out, no energy is needed to maintain it. Unless, of course, you empty the glass again, no air can get back into it. Now that is the equivalent, that water is the equivalent of the Holy Spirit in us. Being alive in Christ and not just dead to ourselves. But even so, we still tend to mix things up, don't we? Many try to be dead to themselves in order to be alive in Christ. But using that metaphor, it would be the same as trying to get the air out of a glass in order to be able to fill it with water. Brethren, it doesn't work, does it? The truth is that it is because we are alive in Christ, because a glass is full of water, because we are alive in Christ, that we are also dead to sin. The air is out. Because of the water, the air is out. Because we're alive in Christ, then we're dead to ourselves. Let me use another example, perhaps not quite as directly related or illustrative as the previous one, but still useful. I'm going to ask you to do something right now, and I would appreciate if you really try to listen carefully to what my instructions are going to be and follow them to the letter. Please do not think of a pink elephant with green dots flapping the ears and wiggling the tail. Oops, you just did, didn't you? You see, the point I'm trying to make is that there is no way to not think of something. Because as you attempt to not think of that pink elephant, you're already thinking about it. But let's try something different. Imagine being in the middle of a wheat field. It's a summer and the wheat is ripe for the harvest. You notice it's beautiful yellow field and the, the wheat is wavering with the wind and just moving with the wind and you're going through this field and you feel the, the, the wheat in your hands, the, 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 the plants in your hands and the wind in your face. Did you notice that while you were thinking about that, you were not thinking of that pink elephant? You see, if we are thinking about who we are in Christ, instead of thinking of what we are not supposed to be, then, then it will work differently. But that's not just a matter of positive thinking. I don't want us to think that that is positive thinking. It's a matter of identity. Who we are in Christ is vital, is essential. That's why scripture talks a great deal about that. Because we are alive in Christ, we are also dead to sin. 
Because we are alive in Christ, we are children of God and not children of the world. And it's not the other way around. It's not that we become alive in Christ because we have become dead to sin. It's not that we are children of God because we were able to overcome the world. Brethren, there is no way that you and I can overcome the world. But Christ, the good news is that Christ has overcome the world for us. So it's more than semantic. It is a disposition of a heart that leads us to full trust in God. It's about being, not just doing. Look again at that confession. And notice how that confession that we were talking about before is about being more than doing. Lord, I am incapable of overcoming. It's about who I am and how I am. But we also acknowledge that Christ is capable. In fact, he told us to be a good cheer because he had already overcome the world. It is Christ living in us who makes, us, who makes all things possible, not our efforts. As far as we are concerned, we are called to go along with them to participate in what Christ does in us. Of course, we're not called to resist it. We're not called to to point our feet and, and nail and says, yes, move me if you can. No, of course not. We are to be diligent, but not diligent in, in doing our own thing. We are to be diligent in going along with what Jesus Christ is doing in us. At this point, I'm often asked, but what should I do to be alive in Christ? <laughs> and as you can see, we're going back to human effort, to what we can do. Look, the news is very clear. There is absolutely nothing, nothing at all, that you or I can do to be alive in Christ. We are dead in our sins. That's our status. That's who we are and what we are without Christ. But the good news is that Jesus Christ has already done it for us. He has already made us alive in him. You know, it's, it's like a gift. I have a gift for you. You know, if I have a gift for you, the last thing you can do is to earn it. If you earn it, it's no longer a gift. It's a wages. It's, it's a pay. What you can do with a gift, you can either accept it or reject it. And I surely hope that the gift that God has given to us in Jesus Christ and through the Holy Spirit is something that we would gladly accept and use. But it's not our own. It's not something we earn. It's not something that we do with our own effort. It's not about doing. It's about being in Christ. It's about trusting and putting our life completely, totally, and surrender it to Him and putting it in His hands. We can only accept the gift. And as we accept it, we put it to use. It is his, but we have a privilege of benefiting from it. So it is really a matter of surrender. Surrendering who we are. Surrendering not just what we do, but ourselves, our life, our desires, our plans, everything from the core, who we are, 
surrendered to him. And then we're called to walk with him. Not ahead of him, but walk with him. Notice when Jesus called his disciples, he told them, follow me. He didn't say, go ahead and I'll go along with you to support you and back you up. No, no, no. He said, follow me. We're supposed to be walking with him. It is his walk, not our walk, that we're called to participate in. And so, if you want to paint a picture of that, you might want to picture yourself asking him to take your hand and lead you as you walk with him, fully trusting in him as a child trusts a faithful father. We can be diligent and absolutely called to be diligent, but we're called to be diligent in surrender, not taking over. So brethren, may his presence in you through the Holy Spirit be your very life. May the Holy Spirit, the presence of God in you, guide you, not only in what you do, but may that transform you at the very core, who you are. In you, you see, you are no longer a sinner. In you, you are a child of God. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. So let his light shine brightly in you because that's who you are in Jesus Christ, alive in him. God bless you.